Welcome to TalkNorth.com. Thanks to our longtime producer, Brandon Morton. Please download before you listen. If you'd like to advertise with us, you can reach us at TalkNorthPodcast at gmail.com. And please follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod. Uh, two promo codes to be aware of. BiteSquad.com. Use the promo code TalkNorth to get your first delivery free. And go to SodaStick.com, the great local apparel company. Use the promo code YouBetcha to get free shipping on any sized order. New Orleans scouting a potential Viking playoff opponent. Not really. I'm, I am looking at t-shirts about Teddy Bridgewater, which is really a funny thing to see in the French Quarter these days. Uh, I'm Jim Suhan. This is Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider. Jeff, of course, is the former Vikings general manager and former NFL executive of the year. And we're going to talk about the Vikings' big loss to the Packers, how they should handle the Bears game, What's going on around the league? Do you want to thank White Bear Lake Superstore and B-52 Burgers and Brew, which has locations in Invergrove Heights and in Lakeville. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. Please follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod, uh, where you'll see any new developments we have with the show and with the network. We do now have a new Gopher show uh, with Ryan James and Marcus Fuller that right now is focusing on basketball, but we'll hit all the sports. And we'll talk some Gopher Bowl stuff as well. So check that out at TalkNorth.com. Subscribe to your favorite podcast app. Let's start here, Jeff. The Packer game was so disheartening, I think, for this team and this fan base that even though I'm usually the person who thinks you should rest players whenever you can for their health, I think the Vikings actually have to play their offense against the Bears on Sunday just to get some good feelings going going into the playoffs. I, I tend to agree with you, Jim, to a certain extent, and I think when you're talking about a player such as Dalvin Cook, I would not play him this week, and I'm sure they won't. Right. But if, if for, for example, if Alexander Madison is, is ready, to, is close to ready or ready to go, I think you play him uh, because, and I, and I think Mike Boone is a is a good running back, but he still is their third running back, and Amir Abdullah does a really nice job in third downs and tip returns and so forth, and and but he's not the power back necessarily, and, and even though he's had success in in the league. And, and had a couple of nice runs against the Packers. But I think that to that extent, yeah, I, I would I would want to play almost all my guys. I would be careful with Eric Kendricks, for example, with that quad injury. If it's anything that really needs a little more time, I wouldn't risk him. If it was a playoff week, he certainly would play. And looking at him walking around yesterday in the locker room, I mean, he, he looks okay. And so... I think that you have to be smart, but yet I, I do agree with you. I think that, that the Vikings need to make a statement to a certain extent that, that hey, we had had an anomaly on Monday night against the Packers, and, and we just got overrun in the second half, especially by Zadarius Smith in particular, and, and why they weren't double-teaming him and, and helping out on him. I, I really don't understand that necessarily. But the Packers did a great job of, of moving him around and had him really over everybody at different times. But still, you have to adjust and slide your protection or something when a guy like that is just so dominant. And I think we saw the same type of thing last year 
with the Bears, with Akeem Hicks and, and Khalil Mack and the, and the havoc that they wrecked against the Vikings in those two games, and to a certain extent earlier this year in Chicago. So I agree. I think the Vikings need to make a statement. I don't think Zimmer wants to go 0-4 against Green Bay and Chicago this year. And I think that to win a game at home, to get a little bit of positive momentum back going into the playoffs, I think it is important. And so I expect him to play everybody who is reasonably healthy, except Dalvin Cook, who I think if it was a playoff week, he'd be ready to go. And I think Kendricks is another guy that they may hold because those two guys are just so critical come playoff time. Yeah, and I agree with you. I guess I should have uh, gone further in explaining my thoughts. Yeah, I don't play Dalvin Cook because he's injured. I don't play Eric. I don't play anybody who's injured. But I think this team, and I know there have been teams in history that have backed into the playoffs and done pretty well. I don't think this team is that or is like those teams. I think this is a fairly fragile team. I think it's a team with a nervous quarterback. And I think they need to have something good going in between Cousins, his receivers, and the offensive line. And and the other thing is this, you know, Kirk Cousins is now 0-3 against the Bears. I think eventually you have to beat the teams you need to beat. And he's 0-2 against the Packers this year. Uh, I don't know. I, I just, just from being in that locker room after the game on Sunday, to me it feels like they need a shot of adrenaline or this could be a, you know, not only a quick exit from the playoffs, maybe an ugly exit from the playoffs. Yeah, and it, and it could be. A, if they draw a team such as New Orleans that has a lot of firepower that they're going to need to match offensively and it's going to be hard to hold them down defensively, then the offense needs to be cooking against the Saints, certainly, and, and be able to produce some points. And, and New Orleans has a pretty good defense, too. And Or if they're in Seattle, Seattle always has a way to play the Vikings tough with a good defense. All those Seahawks are all beat up. We know that. I think that's a better matchup, potentially, for the Vikings, certainly, than going to New Orleans. And because those are the two most likely scenarios that are going to happen, depending on what happens with San Francisco, Seattle this week, as we know. And, and so, yeah, if, if I'm a Vikings fan, I'm cheering for the Seahawks to, to beat the 49ers. And, and, and in that scenario, then the Vikings would go to, uh, to Seattle as long as green Bay wins, which is pretty likely against, against Detroit. And so it's, yeah, I think it's really interesting when, when you try to, to look at, at this game coming up against Chicago and, as you said, Cousins' history against the Bears. And in particular, it's just been really tough. Uh, the offensive line, I think, is another group that has to match up against Chicago better than they have in the past. And and I think they'll have that opportunity when you're talking about uh, Akeem Hicks is out of the lineup, which he was actually out of the lineup in the first game, too. And the, right. and the Bears still had six, six sacks in that game against Cousins. And and he had a couple of garbage time drives that, that upped his rating in that ball game, but, but basically not a good performance by him. And so I, I think, I think the offensive line needs a good game this week. I think cousins needs a good game this week. I think Adam Thielen needs to get back on track as, as being, being the very productive receiver that he, that he is. And after a game against green Bay where he had, Amazingly, no catches and on four targets. I think it's important that they get they get Thielen involved early, get him going, and and just get the entire offense going. And, and I think when going into this game, you need to be able to run the ball a little bit against Chicago. You need to be able to establish some run. And I think that's been the big problem for the Vikings in all their recent games against the Bears. They have not been able to run the ball. 
Now there's no Dalvin Cook this week, which makes that more difficult. And the Bears shut him down in week four in Chicago, held him to 35 yards, and the Vikings to 40 yards rushing. And that's not the formula for them to win. They need to have close to 100 yards rushing against any opponent, which takes the pressure off of Cousins, which sets up the play action. And I think those are the keys of this game to be able to get some running game going. And we'll, we'll see who is able to go among those running backs. It, it was pretty obvious that while Mike Boone is a, you know, I think he's a nice player, he could not break arm tackles the way Dalvin Cook did. He, he was going down on the first tackle where Cook hardly ever does. And that, that made a big difference. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And I, I, I like Mike Boone as a player. I think he's a really good uh, a good third back on a team and can come in and and be a, and has the burst and all that, but he, he needs an opening. Uh, he's not going to make as many guys miss. He can make some guys miss, but not as many as Dalvin Cook. And he, he doesn't have the necessarily his speed to get outside. And and we saw that in particular on one play where Reef was trying to, to block, uh, I, I think it was Zadarius Smith inside, and, and Zadarius Smith stepped up inside him. And on that type of play, Dalvin Cook would have bounced it outside. And so I, I do think Mike Boone's a good player. I think he's an excellent special teams player, one of their best guys, and certainly deserving of a spot on the roster. But they need to have Cook back and, and, and Madison to a, to a certain extent, too. I think he's a really quality quality back, and I think he can make a difference, too. And so we'll see how that shakes out this week. Okay, here's the question I want you to answer for me next. You can take us inside an organization. You know, I, so after you after you tell us about White Bear Lake Superstore, tell me what it's like when the Vikings lose kind of a heartbreaking game to the Packers at home. How hard is it for people to come and do the job the next day? You know, does does somebody have to rally the troops, or is everybody so professional that you can move on pretty quickly from it? So if you don't mind, please uh, tell us about White Bear Lake Superstore, and then let me know, you know, just how an organization handles a loss like that internally. Yeah, sounds good, Jim, and. Uh, always happy to talk about the White Bear Lake Superstore, Buick GMC, and my longtime friend, the owner, Paul Rubin, his general manager, Charlie Gutrell, their great staff, Minnesota's number one volume Buick GMC dealer, five years running with the best selection, only place to get the premium experience, and lots of great specials on their website's fantastic website, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. Go to the website, and you will see a $3,000 purchase allowance on select 2020. Buick Enclaves, the 2020s are in. $5,500 purchase allowance on select 2019 Buick Encore. $3,500 customer cash on a select, again, 2020 GMC Savannah cargo van. And $4,750 purchase allowance on 2019 GMC Sierra 2500 HDs. And the White Bear Lake Superstore is the Quigley 4x4 van superstore. They're also a certified elite dealer by GM. Only 7% of GM dealers make the cut. So visit in person at 3900 Highway 61 North in White Bear Lake or online at WhiteBearLakeSuperstore.com for all your vehicle needs and the premium experience. Buick GMC, we are professional grade, and you can shop pre-owned specials on one lot, thousands in savings. All right. So and take to answer oh, your question. Yes. Your take, question. So take us inside yeah, the organization yeah. after a tough loss. Well, I always had the 24-hour rule that I always talk about, and I'd always preach to our staff and our coaches 
that 24 hours you have to let that game go. Don't let it fester because there's nothing you can do about it other than look at the tape and and figure out your mistakes and improve from it. So I'm I'm quite confident. And just being in the locker room yesterday, just feeling the vibe and talking to players, and we had a, a couple players on our WCCO radio show last night. We had Mackenzie Alexander and Amir Abdullah, and I think they they spoke to that point. Just said, "Hey, you got to move on. We've got a, a game this week and against a rival team, and then we've got the playoffs, and that's the big picture." And so I think that they've moved on quick as far as and I think players move on really quick, even quicker than coaches and staff, because I just think players they expel all their energy on the field, and they figure, okay, we're on to the next one, and yeah, it's disappointing. And even Cousins talked about that yesterday, that it kind of put a little bit of a sour point on, on Christmas for him, although he tried to, to put on a good face for the family. But he said it was, it was tough, and he said his wife actually thanked him for faking it pretty well. <laughs> so she knew that he was he was kind of hurting after that game and in, in terms of, of having had that, that difficult loss. And, and so, But everybody has to, by now, move on, and, and I'm sure they do. And but it is tough when you lose to a rival, such as the Packers, and get swept by them. And then you have to, it's inevitable and that you're going to have a little bit of self-doubt, like, wow, can we match up in the playoffs against teams like that? And when we kind of laid an egg on Monday night, and especially when the game started out so well for them with the three turnovers in the first half, Aaron Rodgers throws a rare interception. They get two fumble recoveries and only get 10 points out of those three turnovers. And you knew right away, ooh, that's kind of tough, and you might be in a little bit of trouble. And then, and then things came in in the second half, especially for the offense. And even the first half was tough. So to answer the question, it's difficult, very difficult when a game like that happens. But I think everybody understands it's part of the business and part of the profession, and you have to suck it up and move on to the next one. And there's another rival waiting to knock your block off. And everybody knows that the Bears would love to – to beat the Vikings, get the season sweep, get to eight and eight on the season. And Matt Nagy, the head coach, you know that he'd like to, to not have a losing record this year. And he can still say, I've never had a losing record. So I think it's a, an important game from a lot of different aspects for the Vikings to kind of regain some positive vibes going into the playoffs. What do you think is going on with Adam Thielen? <laughs> well, I, I think that his first game back, he had three catches and, and that, that was just kind of getting his feet wet. I think in the Packer game, uh, because there was no running game, I think that the, the Packers were able to to bracket he and Diggs and kind of shut them both down to a certain extent. I mean, Diggs had, had the touchdown catch, was which was a great throw by Cousins, great catch by him, but he only has three catches in the game. And even the, even the tight ends, Kyle Rudolph, one catch in the game. Uh, Irv Smith, two catches for four yards. So... I think Thielen was just part of that whole kind of meltdown on offense that was precipitated by the offensive line protection issues and Cousins pressured on 58% of his of his dropbacks. And, and even when he wasn't pressured, it was kind of like last year where he was seeing the, the, the pressure coming when it wasn't and he was bouncing passes. And it just, in that regard, it was alarming to me to see the performance of the offense and, and the quarterback and the offensive line. And I think this is a big challenge this week for Kevin Stefanski, for Gary Kubiak, for Rick Dennison, the, the coaching staff, to get things back on track quickly for the Chicago team that they've had trouble with, that have rushed the passer well against them, 
and they better figure out a way to block Camille, Khalil Mack and double-team him and not have Riley Reef singled up on him because that, that's what happened with Zadarius Smith, and Khalil Mack is, is that type of player but better. <laughs> so, And even though Khalil Mack has had, for him, somewhat of a down season, he's only got eight and a half sacks, he's been a Viking wrecker. We know that. And so I think that's a big challenge this week. Handle him, get some running game going, and, and get that offense back on track, make some plays, get a lead, and then be able to pull your stars. Get a two-touchdown lead, pull your stars in the second half, like the Bears did to them last year in the season finale. <laughs> right, yeah, that, that would be the ideal. That's what I think they need to have happen, uh, and we'll see if they're capable of pulling that off. Uh, the uh, Khalil Mack trade seemed to alter – the power structure in the NFC North when it happened. The Bears immediately became contenders. They won the division. Uh, they go to the playoffs. They could have won a playoff game if their kicker had done his job. Now, as you look at it, do you think the Bears, do you still think it was a great deal for the Bears, or are the Raiders going to end up looking better about this deal just because Mac hasn't been able to lift the entire franchise that we did last year, and the Raiders did get some assets out of it? They, they did, and I think one of them was Josh Jacobs, who may be yep. the offensive rookie of the year, right. <laughs> and so a thousand thousand yard rusher uh, for the Raiders, and and perhaps down the road that'll happen. Certainly, the short term returns were were bad and damaged the Raiders last year significantly. That they had, I think, fourteen sacks on the season it was a disaster, but they seem to be building it back, even though the second half of the season has been bad in in Oakland. But uh, Khalil Mack, yeah, he's, he's still got eight, eight and a half sacks, five forced fumbles, 46 tackles. They still make the plays. Right. But he hasn't had quite the impact last year where he had double-digit sacks and, and just was a, a phenomenal, phenomenal player out there, which I, I still think he is that type of player. And, and so we'll see how, how it all pans out with the trades and, and how the Raiders use all those picks. And sometimes you just have to wait several years to really analyze a trade such as that and, and see. And it may turn out to be more of an even type of trade. I'm not sure the Raiders are, will ever be able to say we got the best of the Bears, <laughs> but but I think that that it, it may end up evening out a little bit more as time goes on because Khalil Mack is such a special talent, and you just you just don't trade away those kind of players. You don't trade away defensive player of the year type guys. It's just I thought it was a ridiculous trade at the time, and I still do. What do you make of what's happened in Chicago this year? Uh, they have, you know, they get rid of Jordan Howard. They're placed with David Montgomery. Montgomery has not really been very dynamic for them. Uh, Trubisky seems to have gone backwards. Uh, Allen Robinson is still a really good player, but they, the passing game hasn't been as evolved as you would expect it to be. And, you know, I mean, the offense really went in the tank. I think they're like 30th in yards gained this year. What do you think happened there? Well, I think a couple of things. I think, first of all, you look at the quarterback and Mitchell Trubisky, and, and last year he was, I think, 15th or 16th in the league. Uh, passing efficiency was 95.4, 24 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. This year, 17 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. He's down to 28th in the league with an 82.9 rating. And ratings are, can be deceptive, but I think it does tell the story to a certain extent. His rushing yards are significantly down from where they were last year. He's got 192 yards rushing. I think he was over 400 yards last year, and that's where he really hurt the Vikings, for example. So I start with Trubisky. I also say injuries have had a big effect on that team. You take Trey Burton, a really good tight end, out of the mix. 
you take defensively Akeem Hicks, who was great last year, and uh, and also they've lost Trevathan and Roquan Smith, both of the uh, inside linebackers on are on IR, and and so I just think there've been a lot of injuries that have hurt their playmakers on def- defense and playmaking ability, and I think it's really exemplified when you look at at the plus minus stat, the turnover ratio, which to me is the second most important stat in, in football after the final score. And the Bears last year were plus 12 for the season, and and this year they're minus two. So that's that's a significant difference in what's going on in terms of, of turnovers. Last year they had 27 interceptions, and I, and I think it led the league, and 50 sacks. And this year they've got eight interceptions and only 32 sacks. So you look at those numbers, you say, okay, the defense is not as dominant. The quarterback's not as dominant. We've had injuries. And I think that's why they're seven and eight to me. Yeah, makes sense. Hey, let's get into Antonio Brown. Uh, the Saints worked him out. That's a very interesting development here as the playoffs approach. First, though, tell us about B-52 Burgers and Brew, where you do your own show. Yeah, definitely. And, and B-52 Burgers and Brew had our uh, WCCO radio, News Talk a 3 Monday night purple show last night was a Thursday night show because of Christmas week and the Monday night game. And we had Mackenzie Alexander and Amir Abdul on the show to uh, really interesting guys and, and uh, did a great job on the show. Uh, had a lot of fun out at B 52 full house last night and, and B 52 burgers and brew in Invergrove Heights host Monday night purple show and next Monday at six o'clock or actually five thirty next Monday, a little bit earlier because of Timberwolves basketball We'll have Eric Hendricks, the Vikings' leading tackler, uh, who may or may not play in this game, but regardless, he's had a great season, 110 tackles, should have made the Pro Bowl, has 12 passes defensed that lead the linebackers. Pro Football Focus ranks him the number one linebacker in the league. So Eric Hendricks will be our guest along with B.C. Johnson, who has really had an excellent rookie season and doing a nice job as a number three receiver for the Vikings and started several games. So, We'll have a great show next Monday night leading into the playoffs and then a playoff show on January 6th. But B-52, I encourage everyone to head over there. Uh, Invergrove Heights in Lakeville, terrific menu, 25 varieties of burgers, great entrees and appetizers. They have Monday night specials and a fantastic Sunday brunch. So check out their website, b52burgersandbrew.com, and hope to see you there for Monday Night Purple. So the NFL is still planning on putting Antonio Brown on the commissioner's exempt list until his investigation is complete. And yet the saints are working them out this week. Uh, you know, you and I have talked about Tyreek Hill and other problematic players before other criminal players before. What would your view of Antonio Brown be as, as an NFL general manager, given all the baggage he carries? I, I think the guy's an idiot personally. Yeah. And I, I think he, I, I would be, very apprehensive about ever signing him just because of, of the, the diva personality that he brings it's similar to the way I feel about Odell Beckham jr. And, and, and Le'Veon Bell to a certain extent. I think, I think all three of those guys uh, can, can be, they're not team focused. I don't believe, I think they're, they're me guys. And I think that Antonio is right at the top of that list right, right now with everything that's gone on. And I don't really understand the Saints bringing him in to work him out right now because I don't think the league would would even let him sign with the Saints. I think they would they would force him on that exempt list, and 
and until they finished their investigation of, of, of the allegations against him uh, for the sexual assault and everything that's going on, allegedly. So I, I think that I don't really understand what what they're what Sean Payton is doing with this situation, and because I, there's just no way that he's going to hit the field this season. It would shock me if the if the NFL let him play, and which um, the guy is certainly a talent. He's a quality player. He, he's also north of 30 years old now, and I'm just not sure how much attraction he's going to have the teams on the open market once he is ever cleared by the NFL, which I think will happen eventually, and if he and if he does get cleared, uh, I, I think teams would still, as I said, be apprehensive about signing him because of the baggage that he brings and and just the the non-team guy that he is and everything that happened in Pittsburgh and Oakland and New England. It's just it's got disaster written all over it, and so kind of bizarre that that the Saints do that at this time of year when when they're heading towards the playoffs. Yeah, I've you know it's funny I've always. Uh, loved the way Sean Payton's teams play and never really liked Sean Payton a whole lot. <laughs> I, just, I just feel like he's, he's a guy who will do anything to win. Um, and, but, you know, but, you know, it's always felt, I've always felt like Breeze was a classy guy and I love the way New Orleans embraces the Saints. I love the atmosphere at the games, but uh, this does, I guess if you were going to tell me a coach is going to bring AB in at this point, I wouldn't be surprised it was Sean Payton. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Or, or Belichick, or Belichick, yes, he's costs. right there, and, and, and he and he already did that, yep, <laughs> and let him go. So, yeah, it's just kind of bizarre. And, and as I said, until these allegations are fully investigated and vetted by the league and and by the criminal court system or whatever, or the civil court or civil trial, whatever is going to happen in this case, because he may be wind up being convicted of this thing or may end up being guilty and. And so then he's definitely not going to hit the field. So I, I just think there's so many question marks at this point with Antonio Brown, and, and ultimately it comes down to two that that he's just he's just not a good guy. And, and but as you said, I think Sean would do anything to try to win. And yeah, unfortunate situation I would call it. Okay, let's wrap up the show with a look at the NFC playoff picture since we already know what teams are going to be involved, uh, at least for the most part. Uh, who do you think is the best of this lot? I, I think New Orleans is, is the the number one team in my view, and I know that they've they've laid some eggs this season and and had against Atlanta, for example, when they were eight and one. Atlanta was one and eight, but but that can happen. But to me, I think they're the most complete team offensively and defensively. I don't necessarily. I, I know that San Francisco's had a great season. I don't necessarily trust Garoppolo in his, in his playoff debut. And you look at what happened when the Saints played them in terms of San Francisco's dominant defense. Well, the Saints put up 46 points on them. But San Francisco put up 48 on the Saints in that unbelievable game. Yep. I, I don't see that happening again in the playoffs. And and so I think the Saints are the, are the most complete team right now. I think Seattle – was dangerous until they've just gotten so beat up and lose their top two running backs. And now their left tackle, Dwayne Brown. And it's just been too many injuries. I think for, for Russell Wilson to overcome with that, that fragile offensive line, it's going to be tough. And, and uh, I, I do like Seattle still. I, I would not, not be surprised if they knock off San Francisco this week, even though everybody's figuring the 49ers are going to win. They wouldn't shock me if, 
if the Seahawks win that game. Green Bay is an interesting team. They're kind of dangerous uh, with the balance that they potentially have. I just don't know that Rodgers has enough weapons other than Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones uh, to be able to, to beat a team such as New Orleans that, that brings so many weapons to the table. And and so I, I think it's going to be a really interesting playoffs. And, and for the Vikings, I think if they if they bring their A game, they have a potential to to knock these teams off. I just have a hard time seeing them have a a sustained run of winning three road games to get to the Super Bowl uh, against teams such as New Orleans and Seattle or San Francisco and Green Bay. It, it, that that's really a tall order to win that many games on the road. I saw that back in '87 when we beat the Saints in New Orleans, and then we beat the 49ers, who were the number one seed. And we got to Washington, and and I think our guys were just worn out, and we almost almost beat the Redskins in that game. Yeah. But it's just a really tough task, and I think what two teams have done in NFL history. I think the Giants did it once, the Packers did it once, and it, it's really tough to do. Or maybe the Steelers did it, but really tough to do when you have that kind of task to win all those road games. And but I like the Saints. I think I, I would predict them going into the playoffs as the team to emerge in the NFC, and. We'll see about Baltimore in the AFC. I think that, again, you're talking about Lamar Jackson has not yet won a playoff game, and everybody's writing the Patriots off and saying they're third fiddle to Baltimore and Kansas City. Don't be so quick <laughs> to eliminate the Patriots when you're talking about Belichick and Brady come playoff time. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. I think uh, there's such, such balance. I think the Ravens are the best team, but as you said, Lamar Jackson hasn't won a playoff game yet. And so, I don't know, it's going to be fascinating. It always is. Well, I guess we have to pick this game. Uh, my last two picks were horrible. I thought they had a chance of losing in San Diego, and they won big, and I thought they beat the Packers at home, and they lost. So I am I am lost. Uh, but I will – boy, I don't know how to pick this one, Jeff. I don't know who's going to play. I don't know what the emotions are going to be like, and the Vikings typically don't play well against this Bears team. I guess I'm going to pick the Vikings – just because I think they have at least something to play for where the Bears don't. So I'll take the Vikings 23-18. to 18. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I think that, uh, first of all, your, your pick of the Chargers game was, was a problem because you had them in San Diego instead of Los Angeles. So well, that, uh, yeah, that, so I got it wrong twice yep. then. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, but, but, yeah, we both missed last week on, on the Packer game, and – I think that they, I think they do have a bounce back game. I think there is more motivation to do so for the Vikings. And, and even though the bears would love to knock them off and finish the season with a win, it's just, they're, they're not the same team this year. They don't have the, the playmakers that they had on defense. And, and I think the Vikings offensive line will bounce back to a certain extent. I, I don't think they're going to run for 150 yards this week, but if they can get maybe 80 yards, 90 yards, I think that could make a big difference. And, Perhaps by the second half, maybe wear the Bears down a little bit. But it wouldn't surprise me if the Bears figure out a way to win this game. But I'm going to go Vikings 23. I'm going to say 23-17. And I, I like the Vikings in this game. I'm looking forward to getting back and watching the Bears-Vikings game at U.S. Bank Stadium. And Jeff and I will do another show next week to preview the playoffs. So we appreciate everybody who's listening to this show and TalkNorth.com. Again, follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod to get the feeds for all the shows or subscribe to your favorite podcast app. Thanks to Jeff, thanks to Brandon, and we'll talk to you next week.